Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of The Unprofessional Perfectionist. It is Allie here, and any new listeners, welcome. I am so excited for you to be here again or for the first time. So today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about why this podcast is called The Unprofessional Perfectionist and about why I consider perfectionism a blind behavior. So first, regarding The Unprofessional Perfectionist title, as I had mentioned in Episode one, I am a perfectionist at heart. I was born a perfectionist. I have always been a perfectionist. It has been a huge part of my life that has affected me both positively and negatively. And I honestly just didn't want to take that for granted. I wanted to get my voice out there and share it with people so they could feel heard and understood and not feel alone. So the unprofessional part took a little bit of thought because I'm not a professional, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, I'm not any of the above. And I understand that that puts a little bit of questionability to what I am saying. But I promise you that I have been through a lot of therapy and I have seen some of those doctors before. And I do have a bit of knowledge about perfectionism and what it entails, but I just wanted to say that I am no professional. So some of the advice that I might be giving to you might be a little bit off, but I promise that everything that I say is for my audience's best. And I promise you that I do know a lot about perfectionism. I have experienced it my entire life, but hey, I am not perfect And that's the irony of it. I am totally not perfect, and I am totally unprofessional in this field. What I say might not be entirely correct, but my honest truth is that I want to share some stories. I'm not trying to share a bunch of advice, a bunch of scientific research about like CBT or anything like that. I honestly just want to get my voice out there so other people feel heard, understood, and they don't feel alone. So that's why I share my stories and that's why I plan to bring people on so they can share their stories as well. In terms of the blind behavior, so why do I call this a blind behavior you might ask? It's because a lot of people do not see perfectionism as perfectionism. The physical manifestations of perfectionism are honestly very similar to some other behaviors that you might see in somebody who has anxiety or depression or a, a plethora of other mental illnesses. It, they honestly look like that, or it just might look like a complete dramatic emotional state of being. And that's why I call it a blind behavior, because I can't really call it a blind disorder, because perfectionism is not a disorder. It's a disorderly behavior. But that behavior is often masked first of all by success but it's often masked to other people as just something that they see as being dramatic and being just over the top emotional for literally no reason so one of my main purposes of this podcast was to bring to light some of these behaviors and some of the physical manifestations as well as mental manifestations which I'll get into in further episodes But today I want to focus more on the physical manifestations of perfectionism because a lot of people do not understand what they are, what they look like, and how they come about. And that's why perfectionists 
do not have a lot of resources around them that can help them out and give them an even playing field. So perfectionism is honestly just this overwhelming and uncontrollable feeling to be perfect. It is extremely, extremely anxiety-provoking sometimes, and it can cause breakdowns. It can cause anxiety or panic attacks. So if you see someone with their head down or they're shaking a little bit or they're like kind of perspirating or crying almost or just kind of like flicking their hands a little bit, like that could be a sign that they're having some kind of anxiety or panic attack. And that could be a physical manifestation of perfectionism. It has happened to me multiple times. I'm not going to lie about that. It truly has. And it's a scary thing. I'm not going to lie. Because a lot of people don't notice it as it is perfectionism. They notice it as maybe anxiety, maybe panic. But perfectionism is kind of hidden behind that. It's not as recognized. It feels like it's not as important of a term. When those types of things happen but that's kind of the overall um overshadowing umbrella term for what's going on any kind of like nerves or anxiety that come before like a test or a race or a game that could all be a physical manifestation of perfectionism and a lot of people honestly just see it as a mental illness or a mental disorder And they kind of overlook perfectionism because they have no idea what perfectionism is and how it can portray itself physically. So what I want to bring to light here is sort of the physical ways that perfectionism can show and give that as a reason as why we need better resources for people who are perfectionists because it ties in with a lot of mental illnesses. And I'm not saying that like those physical manifestations are like different from mental illness like it could be because of a different mental illness and perfectionism is just the umbrella overshadowing it like that could totally be true for someone it's true for me but i think we also have to recognize it as perfectionism because that term can give a lot of explanation as to why somebody is acting the way that they do so the way that society often sees perfectionism is just people being overdramatic. And I have said this before quite a few times in this podcast, but it's very true. And it's honestly very sad to me because a lot of people struggle so deeply with perfectionism and it's overlooked so often that they honestly just get absolutely shit on for it. They get shit on for wanting to be perfect. They get shit on for freaking out when they're not when it's really just an overwhelming feeling that a lot of people don't understand like if you don't struggle with perfectionism I'm sorry but you have no idea what it's like to be a perfectionist and how difficult it is to navigate that disorderly behavior when you have to go about your life achieving and achieving and achieving And that's what perfectionists often do. Like I said, it could be debilitating, but a lot of perfectionists just constantly are achieving. And society sees that as, okay, this person can do like great things. So why are they freaking out about the littlest mistake? Like the smallest, most minuscule, tiniest little mistake. They're freaking out over when they've done so much good, when they've achieved so much and like 
a lot of people just have no idea what's going on. Like, they feel like it's so dramatic. They feel like it's so irrational. And I'm not going to lie. Like, it is very irrational, but it's not intentional. None of it's intentional. It's not a look. It's not trying to beg for attention and beg for an easy way out. It is truly an uncontrollable feeling of needing to be perfect. And that's the scary thing about it is like people will just completely overlook it and possibly just talk shit about it and not try to help anyone. Instead, they are just kind of shitting on the whole thing itself instead of trying to help the people who are actually struggling because those people don't think that the perfectionists are actually struggling. They think they're just being dramatic. And I've experienced this multiple times. And I'll tell you a little story. So I was in my history class once. And before this, my friend had told me that these two kids were talking shit about me because I was taking a test and my mind completely went blank. I had no idea what the material was. I completely forgot. Even though, like, in the back of my head, I knew everything. Like, I knew that material, like, the literal back of my hand. But I just completely forgot it. My mind totally blanked out. And, like I said, that's another physical manifestation of perfectionism. Your mind can completely blank out and debilitate you. So that happened to me, and I start panicking. I start freaking out, and I start crying. And the teacher was, like, kind of on the side of I was being dramatic and I shouldn't have chosen to take the test, which I agree with. I shouldn't have chosen to take the test because I was in like the middle of class and I was like making it up. But what ended up happening is she gave me a little while until I actually took the test and the grades weren't out. So it was like a week after maybe. And my friend had told me that in one of her classes, these two kids were just running their mouths about how I am so dramatic over tests and I take so long to take them or like retake them I should say and I said to one of the kids in my history class I was like don't talk down on mental health issues that you have no idea about and he totally denied it which I mean that often happens like whatever and I'm not saying that these kids are bad kids in any way this is just how they saw it this is just how they perceived what I was doing they thought I was trying to get an easy way out they were thought I was trying to get a little bit of an advantage which I totally see how it can appear that way I do and I often feel guilty because of the way that it can appear But, I mean, I promise, I was not trying to get an advantage. I was trying to level the playing field. Because with my perfectionism and with my anxiety, I was completely debilitated in that moment. And I started panicking because I didn't know what else to do. When you're completely debilitated and your body starts shutting down, in a way, it's terrifying. Like, what else am I supposed to do other than panic? Like, am I supposed to stay calm? Because I don't really know how you stay calm in that moment. And trust me, it is okay to not be calm in those types of moments. They are terrifying. I understand. 
it's really scary so another little story um about the physical manifestations of perfectionism and how society perceives it is with swimming i have this friend who is now one of my closest friends um me and her used to kind of be secretly competitive in swimming and i think it was more on my side that i was super competitive i always wanted to be better than her which now it's totally different we are both so supportive of each other we both love each other like to death but it used to be super competitive between us and i think a lot of it came from my perfectionist side and i would used to want to go ahead of her in the lane i used to be so adamant on beating her in races even though she was on the same team as me and i should have supported her i just wanted to beat her and that's it it was kind of rude on my end i'm not going to lie but with a perfectionist mindset that's sometimes how it is sometimes you can be absolutely ruthless to get a certain outcome because you're so afraid that the other outcome like people will see you as a failure or that you will see yourself as a failure and you don't want that kind of pressure and emotional stress put on yourself so anyways we ended up getting in these huge fights because we would fight over like who had better friends and who was the better friend um and who was the better swimmer and like deep down we kind of resented each other for it and I don't think at that point she really understood my perfectionist side but once she got to know me better I think and this is a huge thing for me to share she understood my perfectionist side and she became so supportive of me and so helpful to me in life and I love her to death for it and I always have but it took a while for me to actually open up about it and you know let people know and that's what I want to encourage people to do is to open up about your perfectionism so people can actually understand and that is a story that is very important because it shows you it authenticates this idea that if you do speak up if you do reach out there are people that will be accepting of it and i'm not going to lie there are people that will not be accepting of it as in the person who completely denied that they were making fun of my little test anxiety there are those people but there are people who will be very accepting and sort of make an environment conducive to a better emotional state and that's what my friend did for me as we got older and I am so deeply appreciative of that and I just thought I wanted to and I just wanted to share that because it is a very telling story of society and the good people in it and why I've created this podcast and I have a couple other stories um, that I can share um, with the cross. Let's see. So I was on a club team and there was one game where I played like absolute dog shit. <laughs> I played so bad <laughs> in that game and I was so disappointed in myself and I could see in my coach's eyes that they were disappointed in me too. And I felt so deeply hurt i didn't like get upset or emotional or anything i think i had matured at that point a little bit to not 
to be able to control those emotions a little bit more. And it's totally fine if those emotions feel uncontrollable because they often do, especially when I'm in an academic atmosphere, they feel super uncontrollable and super overwhelming. But I told my coach, I was like, I I just shouldn't have played like that. I don't know what was up. Like, it just should not have been like that. Like, I'm a way better player than that. And they were like, okay, let's see. And then the next game, I played like dog shit again. And here's why. I got so worried about not messing up in the second game that all I could think about was messing up instead of the actual game itself. So I was so worried about just slipping up and doing something by accident when I should have been focused on the game and then I would have actually played better. And my coaches, I could just see the disappointment in their eyes and see that they felt like I was almost lying to them earlier. And I felt so awful. I felt like I was such a failure. I felt so bad. And it just hurt me so deeply inside. And I ended up getting a lot of anxiety after that going to practices and stuff because I just always wanted to show them that I was good enough and I was a great player and that I should be recognized as one. Even though I was not one of the best players on the team, I had never been and I don't think I ever would have been. I'm not like this crazy, super good lacrosse player. I honestly do it for fun now and that's just the way it is for me and that's the way it should be for me personally I'm not trying to say that like those people wanting to go d1 that's wrong absolutely go for it I support you all the way I seriously encourage you to you know put in that work and do what you need to do to achieve those dreams but for me I just needed to understand that playing for fun was okay and that I didn't have to be the best player because striving to be the best player put so much pressure on me that it ended up being very counterproductive to what I was trying to do. And that's what ended up happening with me with lacrosse. And um, another story I can share is with my ukulele. So I just recently picked up the ukulele, which means I'm not very good at it. Like, you're not going to be great when you start. And, I mean, I love playing it. It's super fun. But my friend one day asked me to play it for her, and I was like, no, like, absolutely not. Like, I'm so bad. Like, I can't. And even though I'm not that terrible at it, I mean, I'm not great by any means, but I'm not that bad. I wouldn't play it for them because I didn't want to feel like I had failed in front of them. I didn't want to feel like I was super bad. I didn't want to hear them say, like, oh, girl, like, you're so bad at that. Like, you need some work. Like, I just didn't want to hear them say it. And I was so worried about them saying it that I just didn't want to play in front of them. And that had happened to me my entire life when people asked me to do things, such as do, like, a dance or, like, sing in front of them. I would always shy away from it because I didn't want people to think that I was bad at it. I didn't want anybody to think that I was failing or that I had sucked because it just hit me so deeply that I wasn't perfect and that what I was doing was flawed. And I just couldn't handle it emotionally. I couldn't handle the feeling of failure. And that had 
become one of my biggest fears when I was super, super young. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed my couple stories today and a little bit about the societal perception of perfectionism. I hope to see you again on the Unprofessional Perfectionist. Thank you for listening.